What's up? What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 20 of The Overview. I'm Chan Man V, and joining me today, of course, is Mr. Everything Overwatch caster and organizer and everything, Fish Sticks. And uh, joining us today also is Mitch Leslie from ESL, also a caster for all of our great EU Overwatch. And then joining us for the first time is Huck, who recently just got back from casting the uh, the OG Invitational. And uh, those of you that might not have followed StarCraft, he's also a professional StarCraft player and just, just Mr. Esports, too. Welcome to the show, Huck. How's it going? Good, man. Everybody else doesn't get to talk. You're just like, Huck, you are the only one. Thank you for having me. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Uh, you know, I've worked with Fish Sticks. We take turns, right? Do we? Because he, he was just like, Huck, and I was like, oh, this is <laughs> I'm um, trying to, you're the guest. I mean, you're like our first time. You know, I'm trying to make you feel special since it's your first time. Anyways, what's up, guys? I'm happy to be <laughs> here and uh, excited for the topics. Awesome. Mitch, how you doing, man? It's been a couple of weeks since uh, we talked to you. Yeah, dude. No, thanks for having me back. I can't complain. Things are pretty busy, as you can imagine. It is all right now, Overwatch-wise, but uh, I'm doing good, man. Got some good, juicy... Juicy topics to dig deep into tonight. So it'll be good. <laughs> and Ben, how about you? I know you just got back from what Portland from a from a wedding. Yeah, travel. yeah, yeah. I'm doing good. I have been away from my computer way too much in the last couple of weeks, so mm-hmm. I'm trying to just catch up on everything. There's so many events that have been taking place over the last couple of weeks, so inopportune time to be very busy. But nonetheless, <laughs> here we are. Yeah, the totally busy weekend, two big tournaments. Uh, you know, we talked about obviously last week on the show, uh, but we wanted to do a recap of it, so we'll definitely be doing that. Uh, a couple community news, esports team news as always, and of course com- competitive mode, which will or won't be released today, not sure, but uh, Jeff Kaplan did have this long post about, I guess, what kind of feedback they were getting and what, what some of the things they were thinking about doing right after the show last week. So figured we should talk about that. We'll probably kick things off with that. Uh, but at the end, we'll be doing viewer Q&A as always. So tweet your questions to at ChainMMD or at the Overview GG and uh, try to get to those questions. If not, if you don't have a Twitter account for whatever reason, you can type it in Twitch chat too. We'll, we'll take a couple there. Uh, okay, well, let's... Start off with some community news, or just at least uh, you know, just big general Overwatch news. Uh, competitive mode. So we're talking talking about competitive mode again this week. Uh, I was expecting it to be launched today, and the you know on Reddit there's an actual snapshot from the EU client, a French client that that did say that it was going to be launched today, but then it's been removed. So up in the air whether it's going to be launched, uh, but. You know, there's definitely some uh, details as to which Jeff mentioned that, you know, some of the changes that he was thinking about making. So I figured we, we'd start off with that. Uh, so let me pull this up so everybody can see it. Uh, did you guys get a chance to play competitive mode this past week? Like, I know last time, like, literally, it was just like a couple hours, so we didn't really get a chance to play much. But any of you guys get a chance to play a lot? No, I heard it was, like, kind of buggy, mm-hmm. uh, and there was a lot of problems, so I didn't want to get into it. And plus... It like downloaded really slow for me. That was the biggest thing. Oh, I, don't really? know. I think that's like yeah. Pretty sure that's just my end. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I assume the other you guys didn't play it either, since you weren't so gun ho on that answer. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, not, much, not much. Not much. I played a couple, but I actually didn't yeah. get any of the King of the Hill maps at all in it. So I didn't get to see how that works out. I guess it yeah. actually it kind of goes without saying the way it works. I got one assault map and a lot of payloads. So I have mm-hmm. an idea about it. Um, but I didn't play it extensively. No, I wouldn't say it was the cat's pajamas to me. I didn't really <laughs> want to spend too much time on it. Yeah, the King of the Hill maps just work like they used to. So it's best of five. 
Uh, and, you know, once you get past the three rounds, it just plays uh, two extra ones, you know, if it gets that far. Uh, but I was able to play a little bit more. I was able to finally get to... I didn't get to the sudden death round for um, for the uh, the payload one, but was able to, to play the, you know, just what they call sudden death or at least the continuation of it with a time bank and everything. Uh, that, that was pretty interesting. I, I, I definitely like it better, actually, after I got a chance to play it versus just kind of thinking about it, at least the time bank. Um, but they also, uh, Jeff actually says that, you know, what they're planning on doing with the time bank here. So why don't we get to that? So the feedback he's been getting, uh, which is, I'm showing you on the screen here is that they like the skill rating, which, yeah. I mean, what do you guys think of the skill rating? I think that's pretty cool. Transparency is good. That's yeah. Uh, yeah. Basically I, I, it. <laughs> that's yeah. pretty much. Yeah. And we've seen that with other games recently too, which is really good. Uh, I would All like to Blizzard see... titles. Yeah. They've actually started yeah. like pushing the, we want to see direct MMR in Starcraft two heroes and now overwatch, which so, by the way, hopefully... I find really funny because everyone in, when this game first came out was like, Oh, they're not showing stats because they're afraid of toxicity and blah, blah, blah. And everyone just yeah, jumped to right. this conclusion as if it was the truth. And I think this kind of directly goes against that really quickly here yeah. and across all of their games as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I def- definitely like it. I think the skill rating they had in the PTR, like the actual numbers themselves weren't large enough for me because I think Seagull was like 70 or 69. And I mean, I got rated at like 49 or something. So, it, I mean, I think he should be like, you know, way, way higher. I mean, just visibly higher than, than uh, you know, somebody at my, my skill level. Uh, so the numbers themselves, I think, could be increased to just to make the disparity a lot, a lot more obvious. Um, okay, next up was strong lever penalty which I think everybody agrees is a great thing because that, that prevents people you know, just from ruining games, which we were seeing you know, prior to the PTR. Uh, thoughts on leader penalty? Yeah, I think it goes without saying, to be honest, that it should be pretty strict. I mean, I, I was quite surprised. I didn't actually know that. And then I had to leave a game and go to a meeting and I got back and went, <laughs> well, okay, serious business. But it encourages people to take it more seriously. I, I fail to see how that could really be a bad thing in any way. Yeah. yeah I agree. Yeah, overall, as long as they have a good, uh, you know, just a good algorithm for it, because there were some issues I think with people idling out, even though they were actually moving their characters and using their abilities and things like that. So, uh, you know, I think there's some tweaks that probably still need to be be made there just to prevent you know folks wrongfully taking some penalty for that. Um, okay, assault map changes. So uh, this is you know, where they added the time bank, right? The 10-minute time bank. Basically, how many points, objective points, you can get uh, within a 10-minute period. Actually, Chris, what's your, uh, Huck, what's your thoughts on this? Because we, we talked about it a little bit last week, but uh, it'd be great to hear what you think. The, the sudden death or what? Uh, the assault maps. So the 10-minute uh, time bank thing. I don't know. There's a few approaches they could do. Um, obviously, it has to change... But I, I don't know. I don't think I'm the best person to ask because yeah. they're not maps I play too much just because obviously in scrims, yeah, people, people avoid don't them. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. true. And like they never play it. So, yeah. Mitch, what do you think? Well, I mean, uh, it's a start. I think the time, I, I kind of like it. I think some mm-hmm. people have a problem though with the idea of like you get a good attack time, right? And then you're going to go back and do it again, potentially, mm-hmm. right? This whole idea of going back and rehashing what you've already done. Some people don't exactly find altogether uh, pleasurable experience, I think, especially on maps where like, okay, I'm attacking on Temple of Anubis. 
this is a generally fairly stressful or frustrating, you know, part of the game to play. Uh, I, I find it a bit surprising when I played. I'm like, "What? I'm attacking again? I just freaking wrecked them. Why do I have to do it again?" But uh, if you if you think about it and you look at it from the perspective of like, well, there is a time bank and you got to go back and do this. But if you set a good time, you still have a distinct advantage. Mm-hmm. I think it's okay. I think it's just jarring when you first experience it. Yeah, yeah. it definitely feels weird. It's it's it doesn't make a lot of sense when you first hear about it. Uh, I think similar to pretty much every other show that we've had, I'm open to trying anything. We should be open to trying anything. And that's the only way we're actually going to understand how it looks and feels uh, in a tournament setting. So I, I definitely would encourage anyone who's running the the online cups coming up over the next couple of weeks to experiment with these rule sets. Because uh, otherwise it's just us talking, right? So yeah. you know, we've seen people pub, we've, people see, we've, we've seen people attempt to scram uh, on these types of rules, but uh, let's see it in a tournament and then make our judgment. But yeah, I, I would agree that it it just doesn't make sense in your head. Like what, you know, playing the same map multiple times just seems a little off to me. But we'll, we'll see. I wonder how much of it has to do with just us, you know, knowing stopwatch. We already have this mindset like in our head about what what a, a very good system is or what has been the best system. Um, like, I wonder if people that are coming in fresh would have that same mentality. Like, what, what do folks that are just playing Overwatch for the first time think? Like, do you think that would be a terrible? Do you think this is a terrible system for people like that? I don't think so. I think a lot of the casuals are like unbiased and they don't really mm-hmm. know what's happening. I mean, the difference in play at the highest and lowest levels is drastic. So mm-hmm. I think they would be kind of okay with it. But as soon as they get like, you know, shit rolls down the hill, so pros are going to say they don't <laughs> right. like it. And That's then, true. like, pretty good ranked players are going to say the same thing, and it's just going to keep going. And, you know, if the, if the highest level pros don't like it, then no one's going to like it eventually, as long as they play it. Absolutely right. I mean, there like, we see this all the time, right, as well with other rules or other things. Like, the people, the viewers will pick up what people like Moon and, and sort of Seagull say pretty quickly, right? I, I think it's fine. I think if for a newer player, I still think it takes a while to get your head around it all. And it, it's an interesting way of, like, of taking a fairly simple concept, in my opinion, the assault maps, right? But then knowing you need to come out with a clear winner, you actually have to convolute the whole process to quite a great degree. And even this, while it may seem simpler than what it could be, it's still not that it's still not that easy to get your head around. So the fact that you have to go from such a simple idea of a capture point map convoluted to this level to actually get a clear winner, it's uh, pretty intense. I will say, though, uh, there could be awesome storylines built around this rule set. Yeah. If, for instance, you know, there's only a minute and a half to for team a you know has to cap they only have a minute and a half left to do it and they somehow manage to pull it out like that'll be you know th- those could be really fun crazy matches uh, so i'm looking forward to checking it out like i said tournament tournament organizers if you're listening <laughs> to this you know what to do well i think we might be seeing one semi-recently right or soon mitch right or maybe an e-cell tournament i don't know that might try some of these things out yeah, I mean, uh, we've announced that we'll be using the, comp- the competitive play format that Blizzard uses, with a small exception, and we're we're going to be using f- no sudden death, but we will be using a, a single King of the Hill map as a, as a tiebreaker for mm-hmm. that. Okay, nice, nice, <laughs> yeah, nice. Uh, let's see. Next thing, uh, pre-made groups called out on UI. I think that generally is a good thing. It's always again more transparency is always great. Uh, so those are the positives. The negatives is they okay. So the general public doesn't like coin flips, 
And what they are talking about in particular are the um, the payload maps that are uh, that do go into sudden death. It's literally coin flip as to whether you play offense or defense, and then it's just the first objective. So people hate that. Can understand why they hate that because it's not the fairest thing. Uh, and then they don't like sudden death. Uh, so. I think we we covered sun death probably to agree. So he goes on and just talks about it a lot, uh, and then they he basically put uh, well he he mentions the the changes that they are looking at short term and the changes that they're looking at long term. So the changes for short term are basically initial match times for assault escort and hybrids will be reduced from five minutes to four minutes. Uh, how much of an impact do you think this will have, Ben? What do you think? I, you know, I'm I'm for it. Uh, I'm for this change. I mean, the, the assault maps tend to end pretty damn quickly yeah. as is, and if you can't do it in four minutes, you know, it's rare that it that you need that. La- you know, it's rare that it's going to be a rare case that that one lot more minute is what you needed. So um, I don't think it'll be make too big of a difference. But I actually like it simply because uh, from a personal level, playing assault in pubs and stuff like that. It, it does feel like it can be. It can take forever if you're playing defense and you hold all the way up yeah. to the fifth minute, and they cap in overtime, and then they have a whole other five minutes after that. That can feel a little, I don't know, demoralizing or something like that. Because it feels like you played really well for four four minutes and forty five seconds, and then one play, it's you know, it's moving on. So I don't know. I'm for it. I think this has more of an impact to be fair, on hybrid maps than anything else. Yeah, Just great. because uh, the kind of traction that you can gain over time while pushing a payload as opposed to trying to attack a, a point that has ridiculous amounts of high ground and bastions and all that stuff to deal with is quite different. So I think teams have less time now to decide how they're going to break the nut open, I guess, on that first point of a, of a hybrid map. But we generally find that once teams do get the first point, they can get rolling a bit more comfortably. This is not a blanket rule, of course, but I don't think it's a bad thing at all. I just think mm-hmm. we'll see the impact of it most on those hybrid maps. Yeah. Huck, thoughts? Anything to add? Um, for the most part, the problem with these types of maps is that you have so long as the defenders that it's basically, especially in pub games, not at the highest level, you're not really counting alts. So it only takes, you know, one team battle from the offensive side where maybe, like, maybe they have four or five alts and mm-hmm. the defending side only has one. And then you just kind of lose. And that's the problem with the extended time is that as the attacking side, you just keep going until you hit that right combination of having more alts, and then you just roll them over. Because then, you know, besides the highest level, most competitive players, even in like ranked play, when it comes out, they won't be, you know, keeping track of those alts. Right. So I, I like the reduced time. I think it mm-hmm. makes it more strategical to say, you know what, we either need to save alts and go die, or we need to, you know, push in at a certain time instead of just throwing shit at the fence to yeah. see what sticks. Okay, and then he mentioned also that they've reduced the time for a sudden death timer too, which 15 seconds, honestly, I, I don't know if that makes much of a difference with a lot of these first objectives. Um, so I, I, what do you guys think of that? You think 15 seconds is enough for offense to cap a first objective for a lot of these sudden death maps? You have two pushes, I guess. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. So I mean that that's that, that's fine. I don't. Fifteen seconds is if it, it takes ten seconds to res, and then you have an extra five seconds. So you couldn't even like it's not even the time to res and get to the point because you still wouldn't be at the point after five seconds. So I, I don't know how consequential it is really. I don't really know what mm-hmm. what they 
solidly base that on if there's any concrete thing that makes them go, yes, shave 15 seconds <laughs> off, we fix this problem. So, don't know. I mean, I don't really think it affects it, it too much. It's just one of these things where they're, I think they're just trying to move the lever and see how, how the stats change based on it, I bet. Um, but yeah, we'll have to see. We'll see how, we'll, we'll, we'll see what the stats are after this. I'm expecting these to be in the patch whenever it does come out. Uh, initially, and then he mentioned some things that they're looking at long term, which um, have more to do with uh, adding the time bank to uh, you know just all the formats basically, except for you know King of the Hill, uh, which I think overall is a good thing compared to what they do have right now. I, I, I would like to see time bank, you know, for the hybrids and 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 the uh, even the payload maps too. Uh, it it's not stopwatch, but it gets closer to it. Uh, you know, it's something that's maybe a step or step and a half closer to stopwatch. Any thoughts? Ben? Ben? I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I was just, I was like literally in the, in the middle of reading something, something else. It <laughs> no just problem. came on my plate. No problem. So, w- repeat the question. No, basically what are your thoughts on, on her, his long, what he mentions is a long-term change oh, that they're looking at which is adding time bank that same time bank that we oh, see oh. for assault to also but, yeah also to assault. okay i got yeah, you i got yeah, you yeah, yeah. um i'm all f- i'm i'm more for that than their current solution i'll say that much um the current solution just the current solution that's being tested in ptr mm-hmm. doesn't make as much sense to me at all um so I, i'm more for the the time bank style uh than going you know ha- you know, this is the same problem that we had when they were trying competitive mode in the previous phase of the beta as well, where it's like if both teams win, yeah, uh, it, you know, if, it, completely different times, then it just feels really unfair to one of the two teams. So, yeah, I'm totally for them going more towards the time bank style, if anything, or just stopwatch, period. So, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mitch? <sighs> Uh, in general, I think it's it, look. It's it's human nature. I think also to disdain any sort of asymmetry when it comes to who wins and who loses a game. Right? It's just straight away you see it's like coin flip put me on the attacking side. I don't think so. So I think this is probably the best way to address that uh, incongruence there in general. Uh, best idea? I'm not sure, but I think it, it like like Ben said, it's an improvement, right? Because yeah. you are going to insta tilt people when you when you literally make it a fifty fifty. Because some people will say, well. You can't. We, we, we're not, there's just not enough time to attack on this map. Full stop. So if you pause <laughs> on attack, we lose. It's yeah. not true, but that's the mentality you start to develop in your head. Everyone gets very absolutist about it. So it's not a good way to keep your players in a positive mindset when you're fighting to decide who actually is going to win. Yeah. Huck. I, I think they covered it pretty well. I, yeah. I completely agree. I think it's not. You know, no one's super happy. They're not like, oh, yeah, this is perfect. But as long as it's a step in the right direction, that's the most important part. I mean, the biggest thing about this this decision or this this kind of decision to add to go with the time bank is to avoid sudden death, right? The sudden death percentage was just too high. And it's kind of funny because they, they introduced this whole sudden death, right, to all of us as a kind of hype, cool way of, of ending games. And now I feel like we're just trying to get you know more and more away from it, you know, with the with the different format changes they're trying. So um, yeah, it's it's interesting to see what their how their opinions have been, you know, maybe changing just based on data and at least the feedback. All right, well, I think that's going to be it for comp mode, at least the the um, feedback at least uh, Jeff Kaplan had, and well, it's, I'm hoping it comes out today or if not this week so we can get a chance to actually play it uh i i haven't played it actually that much the last couple days just because 
I don't know. It's just like I don't I don't get any loot boxes when I play it. You know what I mean? So it's just kind of like, oh, it kind of sucks when I you know miss out on that. Uh, in fact, it, what was weird about when I was playing on the PTR guys is that I would. I would have the same three loot boxes I opened on the regular server. So, like, when they copied it. So, I literally got the exact oh. same stuff oh, really? in the loot box. Yeah, it was really Rex? weird. Yeah. I was like, wait, do I get extra loot boxes here? Or... But, no, it was the exact <laughs> same loot boxes. It was, it was kind of interesting. Uh, all right, next bit of news. Uh, nerf to Torbjorn on consoles. So, um, there are console versions of this game, because <laughs> we always talk about PCs. And, I don't know, I just wanted to mention it, just because, again, like, I just want to reiterate that they're they're uh, balancing the game on consoles differently than the PC, and Torbjorn was a huge problem. Uh, so, they decided to reduce the damage from the turrets, which I think overall is good. You know, just, if you're not able to aim really quickly at killing them, then, you know, make them make them take longer to kill you, right? Any of you guys played on the console yet? Try uh, You did I've then, watched, right? Or? I did, yes. One time. <laughs> One time, okay. Mitch, you, you watched I, I've watched. I've watched a bit of actually, like, people, like, just for my interest's sake, I wanted to see exactly why Torbjorn was so broken on, on console. So <laughs> right, I right. went on YouTube and had a look, and there were some very upset console people. <laughs> um, I don't know, man. You know, like, obviously, for those who play against Torbjorns and stuff and you want to deal with his turret... Uh, you got to sort of jiggle peek and you sort of got to be yeah. a little bit more creative yeah. about your your route of approach towards a Torbjorn Tara. And then there are situations like I'm trying to flank, I'm McCree, but they put a random Torbjorn turret like out back. And I've just spotted this now and have to react to this quickly. So yeah. I was I was I was hoping it'd be funny like they nerfed like Torbjorn's damage himself because he's so short that people have to like aim down and this like Y axis oh aim is too hard. But no, clearly then they're, they're not that bad. I've just yeah, so it doesn't surprise me, I guess, in that way. It's just like, it's a different game, of course, if you play it on, on console. There, there's so many mechanical aspects that are ridiculously different to playing on PC. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you, you sp- oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Yeah, go ahead. When it, when, like, I just want to know when they're going to give up on the console thing, you know? Like, I know, like... Oh, <laughs> oh my it's God. A little bit. No, it's like, from my perspective, I've talked to a few, like, you know, former Halo players that have, like, tried the console and stuff, and even them, they're like, yeah, I went to PC and it was so much better. And it just seems like the, I don't know, inbreded cousin or something that's not. I mean, th- that doesn't mean that console is bad. It's right? not bad, it, but, it, but, but you totally have right, PC. Chris. Yeah, you have. It's, it's like if it was just a console game, then they could just balance the game around console. But now they're balancing two different beasts. And I feel like they're just yeah. going to put in like a very small percentage effort to balance the console side because... It's, it's just, I know what you mean. I, I definitely know what you mean. I mean and and I, I kind of tried to bring it up a little bit when we were talking about even just having different competitive scenes, you know, like possibly on console and PC and that being just kind of weird too, or, you know, just by just again, partitioning the two. It, it, it's, it's a weird place to be, but there are a ton of console players though. So not being able to, to no, exactly. be accessible to those people, I think that would, I don't even know how much of the numbers, what percentage is it is consoles? It's, it's a decent sized number. So. And, and on that note though, and this is, and you, you've hit the nail on the head, there's actually a lot of players. Now, whether they play this game for five seconds or five years, yeah. Blizzard's model the way that, like, let's think about it, where where a lot of their money is made. This is an expensive game to buy, right? This is reasonably expensive, right? About 60, 40, 40 to 60 euros mm-hmm. for the PC version, as far as I know, right? So, I mean, games like this as well don't necessarily depend on a, a thriving competitive scene. 
to be fair, a lot of the time. Um, if you look at the Call of Duty series, I was a, I was a very mm. disgruntled COD yeah. 4 player who tried to make like find some competitive grain inside Black Ops and failed to. But those yeah. games, the model <laughs> was not based on subscription or, or microtransactions. It was based on buying the game itself, right? So I think Blizzard's investment into maybe patching another game separately is probably justified by that initial the initial money that they're making on the purchase of the game, which is obviously mm. not the case with a lot of free-to-play titles. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Uh, and it's, it's just money that they can make, right? And they might as well, you know, go go after it. Uh, but I understand. I totally get get you, Chris. Though it's it's just it's always going to be this this kind of weird thing as to how wh- which one do they push more? And I think it's pretty clear that they do push the the PC one at least competitive wise. Yeah, I, I, I do agree with Chris, though. It's not a great sign when you've got, got guys like uh, MLG Puckett and, like, Walshy. They're all playing on PC. They're not playing, <laughs> That's they're not playing oh, on man. consoles, so... Yeah. Even even T squared from uh, yes. yeah T squared too. It was like he was like I can't I can't do it anymore, man. Like I tried, didn't work out. It's just it's rough. Yeah. Well, at least it's not cross platform. <laughs> I mean, that's one thing. That would, would be <laughs> if you want to. It's like Paragon. Console, it's seriously yeah. Paragon is cross platform, and it is very annoying to play with people on console <laughs> when you're on PC, and especially when they're on your team. Oh. Yeah, it could it could be worse. That's all I'm saying. All right, esports news. Lots of team news. Uh, ben, you want to take this? Just maybe lead us through some of the team news here. Sure. We had an absolutely massive announcement. Uh, what two days ago? Phase uh, has entered the scene and is uh, joining the likes of Envy, Envious, and quite a few other massive esports organizations uh, in, in picking up a new Overwatch roster. And this is one of the more interesting rosters. Uh, to form in quite some time because it, it really combines people from different eras of esports, different genres of FPS games. And it's uh, it's got Mendo, everyone's favorite Mendo, uh, the star mm-hmm. DPS player uh, who was part of that IDDQD roster that completely dominated the scene for a couple of months. So led by Mendo as their star DPS and also joined by Clamp OK, who if you're a Quake fan, you definitely know this name. He was one of the best North American uh, team players. He was really well known for his Quake CTF prowess, um, among other things in the Quake scene. But then you've also got Fraud, who's a name that I haven't heard in years. This guy was a complete legend in North American Counter-Strike 1.6 in a previous era of esports. So you've got kind of like the new blood, this young Swedish teenager who's dominant in Overwatch with two FPS veterans, kind of legends in their own right, and then rounding it out, of course, with uh, Evoke and Vainless, and actually one guy that I don't even know at all who's who's called Wonderful. So this is a really interesting roster for sure, uh, kind of combining people from all different types uh, of esports or FPS esports communities and backgrounds. So is this an EU team or an NA team? (laughs) Half half. Uh, I mean, we, yeah, well, like, we where, where having, are they going to play? We are having to decide that now, of course, because there's a good chance that they'll obviously try and make it to Gamescom. It's going to come down ideally to where 
they reside if they do move to NA. I mean, we have to put them somewhere, right? Um, mm -hmm. I think there was a little bit of a problem where I think one, one admin said they couldn't play at all because they had three NA, three EU players, and that sort of went a bit viral on Pro Talk. That's not the case. They will be probably put in one of the two. And if there's nothing that's definitive cause for us to put them in either one, uh, we'll probably defer to Blizzard on that, as we often do, but probably NA at this stage. Okay, fair enough. I mean, most of the tournaments don't separate at this point anyways, but yeah, so like at least your your tournament will be doing that. It's going to be tough. That, that's going to it's going to be interesting to to see how how people decide that if it's it's I guess it's mostly just going to be based on the organization. Uh but something like Team Phase, you know, it's, it's something they they started themselves, right? So it's not not really an established organization. Uh all right, uh, next bit of news, another another team, right? Another big pickup from a very, very successful European team. Yeah, uh, this one's also a pretty interesting pickup. Uh, the team formerly known as Graviton Surge signs with Mis Misfits, and they were only even really known as Graviton Surge for, Mitch, correct me <laughs> if I'm wrong, but a couple of weeks, right? Um, it's got a, a bunch of players, uh, I think a lot of them are, are coming from Sweden, uh, that have played on a myriad of different teams throughout the closed beta, open beta, and full release uh, of the game, but only this specific roster under this specific name. I, I don't think they were playing for more than a couple of weeks, right? Uh, I'll, I'll pay you the story. This is how it all went down, right? So Crew, all right, an excellent player at Overwatch, gets sick to death of playing Lucio in Melty. He's done. No more. <laughs> so he leaves his team. He says, bye, Frenchies. I'm done with you. And then he looks around. And he's looking for this, this French super team. He's got these you know, ideas of grandeur in his head. And so he approaches Wins and AKM and Unco and says, boys, let's make it all French team. I'm yep, obviously yep, yep. playing DPS. You guys can do whatever you want, but this is how it's going to work. He brings in his friend Soon, who he's played with for a while, who was actually a support player. And they make this French super team, which lasts like a week because even though they're all French, that doesn't necessarily mean, and I quote, we may all speak the same language, but our communication was shocking. So crew okay. and Soon leaves. Crew says to Soon, I know you've been playing Mercy Lucio, but now you're playing DPS. So I want you to play Widowmaker. I want you to play whatever. I want you to flex DPS. And he does. And Soon is one of the best, ends up being one of the best Widow players at the takeover in general. Mm -hmm. They had Zevasai on board, um, obviously, who was playing McCree at the takeover. He's now moved to Lucio. who like, He's the one who missed his flight at the takeover and they had to like schedule their game to late in the day. Skipjack was sort of hand-picked by Crew as like a, a, a top uh, Ryan Hard as well. He was, I think, it was told someone told him that like, you should pick up this guy, and he trialed him, and it worked out. So, I mean, this team's looking pretty good. By crew and soon are the core. Nevix also is a, was a very known, well known player, and he's obviously playing that mercy for that team. So, and Wins, who's Kenny S's brother, is there? I wouldn't say coach because I spoke oh, to Wins. Right. He's like, yeah, yeah, I'm not really an Overwatch expert. I'm more here for the well-being of the team and the psychological aspect. Wins is he's a very classy dude. You can see that he's he's been around. He's got some life experience, but he's not an Overwatch expert, but he's sort of in charge of that as well. But Crew now gets to play whatever he wants. No more Lucio, never again. <laughs> he flexes through every single hero that does damage, and he's pretty good at most of them. It's another cool roster. And, I mean, it's just going to show right now in the current state of Overwatch, <laughs> if you have a single tournament win... You're going to get picked up by a sponsor. Like, you're going to have them knocking 100%. at your door, calling you, uh, well, just was, trying to sign you as soon as possible. This was within a week, within the week of yeah. them actually winning. winning. So, um, that's great. It's definitely great for these guys. And just knowing that, you know, there's a lot on the line every single time they, they go and compete. What that's I cool. want to know 
is when is um, the support staff of these teams going to pick up, you know, as far as coaches, things like that. Because I feel like one of the biggest things right now, especially the way Overwatch is, is that coaches are going to be a huge, huge, huge part of this game. And there's just right now there's no presence of a coach, even envious taking, you know, it slightly to the next level while having a pro gaming house is done, you know, wonders for them. Oh yeah. Yep. I, so, I, well, I mean, who's who's got the experience to be a coach right now? I mean, like to be fair, like Too Strong, which is I think Rust's team who started to perform well in Europe. I think MKL, the best mercy in Norway, self-reclaimed is their coach who sort of started playing at the same time as them and knows a little bit about the game. But all he can offer is the same experience as the rest of the team and just a bird's eye view, I guess, a little bit. So who is coaching material right now? But that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, because it's an objective standpoint. When you're playing on a team, a lot of people are just selfish. You know, they want to, like, flank. They want to get that five, six kills. They want to be that star DPS player. It's a lot easier if there's a guy that comes in objectively and it's like, all right, guys, you're doing this wrong, you're doing that wrong. And it's a lot more believable from that standpoint than from another player. But it's going to come, you know, when there's money in it. Right now, as a coach, there's just not... You, we talk about all these teams getting picked up. You know, you're going to have an opportunity. As a coach, there's just, so far, no opportunity, so... I think what you'll see is you'll see some of these players transition yeah, yeah, of over course. coach. Yeah. The coaches, the mm-hmm. best coaches are obviously going to mm-hmm. come from ex-players, so... Yeah, and I, I bet it happens pretty soon, especially the big organizations. You know, they can pay an extra an extra person to, to be on the roster and envious. I wouldn't be surprised if they're like one of the first ones or maybe C9 or just somebody like that. It's gotta be happening soon. Yeah. But I think, I think uh, Chris is right. You don't need a, a, an expert or the best player. You just need somebody who can, who can actually look at everything holistically instead of like one at a time and go, well, actually you might've thought this was the correct decision, but you, a didn't communicate properly this mm-hmm. or you're in the wrong position. So that's all they just need a, they need a second opinion or an external one. And it's fine. All right. Lastly, we got some news about Nubris, which Ben's team, <laughs> Hubris, yeah. which is Nubris now. And, Yep, yep. So basically, Nubris disbanded uh, probably like two weeks ago now, mm-hmm. uh, maybe even more. Um, and everyone was wondering what was going to happen there. Uh, so first of all, it's a, a little bit sad for me because it's the end of the last vestiges of the original Hubris team, which was dominant in the very first phase of the closed beta, uh, and a team that I had a lot of close personal connections to. Now gone forever, to be forgotten, maybe. Uh, maybe not. Might not we'll be find forever. Out. But. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, that's kind of sad. But anyway, uh, it does look like Minstrel and ID have made their way over to Team Liquid. Again, Team Liquid has not had a consistent roster for more than a couple of weeks since they formed a couple of months ago. Uh, and this is continuing down that road with picking up, but picking up two great players. So actually, Team Liquid look or team, looking very strong right now with Minstrel and ID. Joining the roster, mm-hmm. Minstrel, of course, uh, basically like a Lucio main ID DPS, but really, really awesome Farah. And right now, Farah is so strong in the meta, so that's mm-hmm. cool to see. But it also has us wondering what's happening to the rest of the players on that former Nubris roster, and where where will they end up? Because I know a lot of them are very much interested in staying uh, active in the competitive scene, so we're just uh, waiting to see where that ends up being. Overall, what would you say? Do you think it was... Uh an improvement overall for Liquid? Because I think they're a better team since they've made those changes. Just even though on paper, going into it, I was like, oh shit, you know, they lost Zoms. Like, the hell are they going to do? Well, Zoms is a god tier uh, hit scan character, yeah, but right now, Farah is so strong in the meta 
that uh, I think this does potentially improve them. And, you know, like I said, Minstrel is practically, I, I don't want to say, I don't want to overstep my bounds here, but I I'd say he's practically a Lucio main. He's one of the better Lucios around. So I definitely think this rounds out the team and they're going to get better if they stick together and continue to practice as a team. I think that's really the most important thing for them now. You know, I did have a question since we're talking about, you know, just with, particularly with Minstrel and some others that are specialists in, in certain characters, if not roles too. Uh, is it possible right now in events to have more than a six-man roster? Like, can you actually have seven? Can you actually sub in guys for different maps? You, I, I think you can. Like for the uh, Joshua G, we had a one Oh, did you? Okay, that's cool. But, okay. but I think it's it's like getting to the point where would you spend a little bit more money to get that seven player or you're just going to get a better player out of your core right. six? Because right. everybody out of those core six are going to want to play constantly. No one's going to be like, oh, I think I'm going to sit this one out, guys. Go ahead. <laughs> right. right. I mean, who knows? Uh, maybe, let's say it's... right. This is kind of a bad example because 76, we're going to talk about this in a second. Uh, 76 is really prominent. But let's say it's Gibraltar and like everyone's running 76 all the time, and you have someone who's just like god tier with 76. Mm -hmm. I think that would be kind of cool to just swap them in and out depending on the map and depending on the situation. Or let's say like you know it, it's just it's it's uh, let's actually probably a better example is something like Numbani, and you have somebody who's like a really really adept Bastion or something like that. I think that would be kind of neat. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I don't really think that's. Um, I don't even think our rule set caters for subs, to be honest. I think it's kind of something like um, maybe in League of Legends where maybe teams will have a, a, a six-man roster or like they will have subs, but they'll be declared before the tournament. So it's not so much on the spot. I mean, going back to my experience in World of Tanks Prison, I can say that there were some situations where teams wanted to bring in like a artillery player or like a, a player that did a completely different role, right? And for a certain map, and this did happen every now and then, but even then it was not that frequent and it's a nightmare for League Ops and tournament habits to, uh, to, and shit, lower thirds are wrong off the, off the wrong stage. We've got to fix the name on the little clip yeah, that has true. their webcam yeah. and stuff like that. It's like, oh. Yeah, just an interesting concept, though. I wonder if it'll ever get to that point where they do. Uh, but okay, well, let's move on. We got a bunch of events to talk about, so we were start talking about it. Uh, first off, let's talk about the OG Invitational, which Huck uh, casted at and was able to, you know, take part and be the uh, be a big part of the the amazing production it was. Uh, so yeah, first off, I just want to I'll just talk to you, Huck, or just ask you like, how was the event overall? I mean, this was like your second big event correct that you've casted for in overwatch yeah i mean we did me and uh, ben obviously did the esports arena thing yep. which i think at the time was the biggest tournament to date and now it's the joshua g thing mm -hmm. so they were both great events um overall it was great i i think the main guy that was putting it together hadn't done an event before so all in all really good i think most people said the production value of it was really high top-notch stuff mm -hmm. um from like a talent perspective you know, we were treated very well. We got, you know, what we wanted. We got food, drink, all that kind of stuff. Everybody mm -hmm. was very nice. And it was... Like, very receptive. Uh-oh. I think we're losing you, by We're losing your, your audio a you're little bit. Chopping it yeah, you're out. chopping up a little bit. Your mic is... Uh-oh. Uh yeah, we might <laughs> we might need to right unplug, replug here, maybe, of your mic. All right. Let's see. I'll do it. Yeah. While he's doing that, um, good luck. Yeah, good luck. Yeah, while he's doing that, we can maybe let's talk a little bit about the uh, matches. Well, actually, let's see how long it takes him. Maybe not. 
anyways, let's talk about the matches as as we were uh, as we wait. Um, obviously, the big, just kind of jumping to the to the end result. Endius, you know, wins the tournament. But I think what was really cool is just a lot of the the upsets that we saw leading up to it, which. Uh, which were uh, two of the teams, uh, LG and Northern Gaming, both upset C9, which was huge. You know, we, we did see C9 kind of struggling coming up into the, you know, this weekend. But having, you know, these, these two teams both upset them in the same tournament, like we've never seen that happen to C9. Uh, any yeah. thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, LG has beaten Cloud9 before. Mm-hmm. So this yeah. is not entirely unprecedented. Right. Uh, however,. I would consider the NG Red uh, victory yes. over Cloud9 to be one of the biggest upsets I've seen in Overwatch thus far. I mean, wow. for some okay. reason, people didn't seem to be reacting to it the same way that I was. Um, and don't get me wrong, NG Red has been playing very well um, in the last week or two. But if you go back two or three weeks, you know they didn't even look like they were on the same level as teams like you know they were getting stomped by teams like even LG, uh, who who typically loses to C9 or has in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that this is an incredibly massive upset and uh, is interesting for Cloud9 because they've been at the very top of the game for such a long time. And all of a sudden, not only are they looking fallible in, in that you know Envious is looking quite dominant over them recently, uh, they're looking. They're looking like even teams that we used to consider, you know, in in the mid tier, roughly, are able to beat them. So um, this is the first time we've seen Cloud Nine stumble, and I'm not going to go. I'm not going to extrapolate this too far and say, "Uh oh, b- big problems for Cloud 9 No, no, that's not the case at all. Uh, but in this particular example, it is the first time we've seen them stumble. Okay, well, we got a we got jump. A we got the cams can jumbled. You hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. I okay. can hear you now. <laughs> so at least I got audio, but I'm going to be Ben now. Uh, yeah, they, they got jumbled somehow. I don't know what happened there. So I'm going to have to fix this real quick while you guys. Yeah, no talking. problem. But, uh, I'll talk. Yeah, Huck, 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 continue. <laughs> continue. Who am I? Well, I, do I, wanna, I? I, first of all, yeah, yeah. you are. I want to say I called that the NG Red. I was, that was like, I called call that it. very I, early. I didn't yeah. like jump he bandwagon. Call I called that very early. So, first of all, sick job by them. Um, as far as the event goes, uh, I don't know what you guys heard and didn't hear, so I'm just going to recap. Yeah. Tournament, high production quality. As far as from a talent perspective, they were rock solid. They did everything we needed to do. Um, they were still very receptive to uh, our feedback. Basically, we had that huge fiasco where um, NG Red didn't show up or one of their players didn't show up. And they had a sub named. And then we got to this point of where do we let them pick up any ringer or did they have to predetermine who the ringer was? Because they named... A sub that left their team apparently so then we we're in a spot where do what? we deal with this huge okay. forfeit loss which is like the worst case from a tournament organizer standpoint mm-hmm. or do we let them just pick up any ringer and the ringer they were going to pick up was cool matt <laughs> who is like uh what the oh, fuck a <laughs> huge difference. yeah exactly like he could, he could literally make the difference you know yeah. uh going up against lg so then it's like okay well what happens if they win and you're lg and you're like what the fuck they're player didn't show up and then they got a huge improvement by mm. some people's standards and then they beat us um so it was hard but all in all the guys uh that ran it it was actually ran from um pvp live right like in texas is that right Where, no 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 the it? the organizers from it was uh josh's managers who are monster cat from vancouver oh oh wow so okay. very cool guys tournament was rock solid um yeah i don't know what else to say besides that it was it was a great experience would would do again 10 out of 10 
Where was it? So it was, where was it located? It was located it in, was in San Francisco. Actually. Oh, San Francisco. Dude, okay, this makes okay. me so salty. Yes. I, know, I lived in San there. Francisco <laughs> and I wasn't in town this weekend. Oh, Damn man. I would have loved to cast yeah, it. Yeah, that was cool. Like the, your stu- the studio you guys were in where, you know, had a lot of cool decorations and stuff. Definitely different than any of the other Overwatch uh, events that we've seen so far. Uh, but you and, and was Kevin Naki, ZP, and... That was it. It was just a three of you guys, yeah. Yeah, yeah and then Josh came in sometimes, you know, gave his feedback and yeah, everything. Exactly. He was a really cool host. It, all in all, it was really fun. Um, you know, I'm a more colorful caster, I would say, and they were very mm-hmm. not strict about things, you know. It's kind of Josh is a very chill guy. He has a very chill stream. So they were like, hey, yeah. man, do do what you want to do. And uh, overall, it was it was really fun. Yeah, well, you did a fantastic job, dude. I, I was just like, oh, Thanks. yeah. I was just like, that's good stuff right there. <laughs> Especially, I was cracking it with when you and Kevin were just like going at Or you were going at Kevin a little bit during some of those exchanges. That was hilarious. Um, but yeah, overall, I mean, great work, man, on that one, for sure. Thanks. Uh, Josh, so Josh, he's obviously a community member. And of those of you that might not know Josh, you know, he's been a huge you know, streamer content maker and uh, CSGO for a long time now and you know him going and organize this this is kind of like you Ben you know organizing your fish sticks invitational and you know just somebody coming in and and you know organizing it all just just on their own and, and coming up with this so really really cool like it's you know kind of reminds me of like when we first started in the Hearthstone space too and just a bunch of people starting their you know these events that ended up being you know very uh, the price pool being pretty large just by community members and we're starting to see it here too which is which is really cool because you know, with Overwatch, a lot of people are talking about a lot of organizations just coming in, you know, and, and being able to do their thing. It's nice to see that there's still room for community folks to, to get these done with the best Yes, teams. for now. Yeah, for, for now, now, of course, for now. But There's always um, going to be the long tail, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see <laughs> as yeah, things yeah. kick into gear. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah I, well, go ahead. I think I think personally, like Josh would be, you know, we have in uh, StarCraft Two, we have the like Home Story Cup, which isn't the biggest event, but all the pro players want to go to. And we have the Summit for Dota Two, which is similar thing. Mm-hmm. And obviously, we all know Overwatch is going to keep picking up, and you know, it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. And the big tournament organizers are going to step into it. But I would love to see Josh stick into it and do like a Home Story Cup event. You know, I think mm-hmm. that'd be really cool. And I think Overwatch needs something like that in the scene. Yeah, definitely. He seemed to have a great time. I mean, when he was on cam, he seemed like this was, you know, he was just having a a, a great time and just how successful it was, too. Yeah. He mentioned probably doing it again, right? Like having future uh, OG invitationals. Uh, definitely looking forward to that. Uh, but let's get back to the game. So there were some, you know, big games, obviously, you know, just like Ben and, and Huck were mentioning, Northern Gaming Red just having some, some you know, just outstanding moments. LG, too. I mean, LG had, you know, just just, ama- just that upset of C9. And, and Seagull, obviously, just the crowd favorite was playing amazing. Pharah was just like, like you guys said, all over the place. And we, we were seeing... Um, it's a fantastic fair play all weekend long from you know the seagulls and the tailspins and the in mo- the mangas and so it, it's overall just what you guys think of uh just the, the matches uh, or maybe speak to it a little bit huck why don't you speak to it i mean you were casting a lot of these these great matches actually yeah i mean first off we can just fucking 
it's kind of boring and sucky, but envious just on another level. Yeah, like, I, you know that's, that's I, I feel bad not even talking about envious. What are you? What are you going to say? It's like there's not much to say. You know, it's like they're it's better like, than everybody. It's yeah. For most teams, you have like one or two players that show up really big. Like I want to say for C9, Surefour has been like the consistent star of mm-hmm. that team day in and day out, yeah. constantly. But then you look at a team like Envious, and it's literally like four or five members are exactly like that. So those guys are just a level above. Um, I don't know. NG Red showing up would have been really good. I'm sad we didn't see them versus uh, LG. I think that mm-hmm. would have been an insanely close match. Uh, I think that would have been one of the best matches of the tournament. But I, I'm glad that uh, there's a little bit more rivalries going on. I think C9 obviously have to pull it together. Uh, I think it's a combination of them, you know, traveling, going to E3, yeah. and uh, plus them being on top for as long as they did. Um, as yeah. as a guy that's talked to them, they're like very chill. Let's go drink a beer, chill out. <laughs> you know, we'll practice a few hours and then go hang out. Uh, hopefully this gets them ambitious and hungry mm-hmm. because they're all very talented players. Uh, but you need that hunger, that motivation to stay on top. And this might be the nice kick in the butt for them. Yeah, I think... Um... I think was also interesting as well. We already uh, had talked about it briefly. Was Northern Gaming Red upsetting Cloud9? Mm-hmm. What's even more interesting in that is that Northern Gaming Red won every payload map or hybrid map out of that series, That's and the only right. ones they lost were King of the Hill maps. So that was really crazy. quite an interesting yeah. uh, factor if you think about it there as well. When there's obviously an ongoing conversation about the depth of tactics that you require for, you know, between payload and uh, and King of the Hill. So I thought that was pretty interesting. I'm also sad, like to see luminosity and not get to play northern gaming mm-hmm. red because we obviously saw what happened in the final didn't we so you know it would have been nice to see a bit more contest in the semis but yeah ng red are, are looking good i think megachu has really uh flourished with this popularity uh you know of, of farrah recently as well so yeah i don't know they're looking good yeah two of the hottest teams yeah both lg and in northern gaming red it, I, yeah it would have been definitely good to to see that uh overall though um any like, what are the big highlights for for you guys? And any any big highlights, even if it's just a player from the tournament? Who would you see the MVPs uh, were for the tournament? Sure for I would say sure for no, okay. Tailspin. I mean, like Envious. I just I fucking the whole team. Like pretty <laughs> much whole that whole team wow. just showed up. Yeah. Um, I think sure for played really good on C9, and um, Mangachu was a pretty big star. I want to say Naptime too. Naptime mm, did a great yeah. job on Mercy. Yeah, and I think Tailspin, he's always been a fan favorite player, uh, but after this Another flurry one. of wins, uh, he, he might be like everyone's favorite Farah player right now. Uh, and he definitely definitely reflected in his stream numbers this week. I think he may have been hosted by Siegel or something, but he retained 10,000 plus viewers for like hours and hours the other day. So, uh, I mean, for me... It's not really one one player. It's just the dominance of Envious, and mm-hmm. we're gonna talk about Operation Breakout in a second. But it wasn't just it wasn't just Onog. It wasn't just uh, the OG Invitational. It was also the Alienware Monthly Melee. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Melee Envious literally just dominated in Grand Finals three o three o three o. Always just dominating the entire week long, and uh, you know they are absolutely the new team to beat. You know Cloud Nine. It was them. What two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and yeah. all of a sudden, Envious actually looks on a different level to even them. Uh, maybe it's the current meta. Maybe it's the one hero limit. Um, it's all of those things. Knows? I think that that have probably but, played yeah. in, played into it. 
but yeah, this this week was the snapshot of Overwatch because we saw all the best teams playing against each other, and you know the result was Envious winning all of it. Uh, speaking of Onot, was the snapshot of Overwatch because we saw all the best teams playing against each other, and you know the result was Envious winning all of it. Uh, speaking of Onog, which is the other tournament that we had uh, this this weekend, uh, and this was like a month-long tournament, too, where they had the group stages like on, on different weekends and then culminated to this finals. Uh, we had Envy just not losing a single match <laughs> during this entire, you know, this, this whole weekend and, you know, beating C9 in the end, 3-0. Um, but I, I think the, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what other matches might have been, been interesting to talk about. LG did fall to Rogue. Which uh, I think I've surprised a lot of people because LG looked so good in the OG Invitational, and um, those were close games, but but they did fall to a to Rogue, and then Rogue, then Rogue fell to C9 pretty pretty handily, which surprised me too. Yeah, so that, it was, that I think is the most interesting part. Yeah. Like they were not present against C9 at all. You watch that. I, to be fair, it was like 2 a.m. for them, but mm -hmm. they've done this before, right? But when watching Gibraltar as well, getting stopped before the hangar gates uh, was... That's rough. Yeah, yeah that's, they, that they were crazy. completely stopped in their tracks there as well. So I don't know. I really don't know. I, it seemed like a, a little bit different for them as well. I mean, those guys are still obviously working on consistency as much as anyone else is, although they maybe had more than most for quite some time. But yeah, it's, it's a shame to see them go and, and do that to Luminosity, which, by the way, they held Luminosity on the first point on, on, um, Dorado. on Dorado. Right. Crazy. So this is, they were on form, even though they actually only got the first point. Dorado was actually a really close match between those two, as neither team actually got very far. Um, and they and they only won Hollywood by two seconds, right? Yeah. Uh, I think Luminosity got all the points. They got to the end. It was nine minutes eleven. Rogue did it in nine oh nine. So it looks like That's a two zero. It looks like it looks like a, a less close result mm -hmm. than it is until you look at it. But again, to go from that and then just to fall apart against C nine is makes me a bit quizzical. Definitely. Mm -hmm. I I yeah. think this I think this goes back to basically what you were saying earlier to Mitch, where uh, NG Red took over C9, the payload maps, and they lost the King of the Hill, and I just feel like, also going off my point earlier, that coaches are just really needed, because we saw LG barely lose to them, but at the same time, we saw NG Red lose them 2-1. And then, you know, a, a day later, or whatever it was, I think it was literally a day later, LG beat C9, uh, who beat yep. Rogue. So we have these yeah. different rock, paper, scissors yeah. matchups between Red the tier, teams. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, they're all beating each other, but they're not, you know, they're not at the envious level. And I think that just comes down to the support and, uh, you know, knowing how to play against a certain team or how to eliminate their threats. Yeah. It also comes down to just being versatile, too. And we talked about this a little bit last week. I, I just feel like envious has a roster of players that, for the most part, can play anything. And, and we do see them switching roles, like quite a bit mid-map switching roles and and uh, that just allows you to create scenarios or counter scenarios that are just that they're just going to give you more, uh, just a higher probability of winning. And I, I feel I feel like that's the biggest thing with MBS right now. They just have a, a, a very versatile roster. Um, any so anything? Uh, so wrapping up Onog. Any other things to to really point out? I mean, kudos again to the Onog team and uh, Derek and also VGVN for. Uh, sponsoring this event and you know really pushing the the visa issue you know in front of a lot of uh esports folks or esports viewers and, and fans it's a huge issue that we you know we do just need more more uh attention on and i think a hundred thousand people might have signed the petition i forget what the exact number is but it, it was definitely something impressive just with the the whole visa petition recently so uh 
kudos to them for bringing this, you know, just to, to everybody, just to the forefront for a lot of folks in the Overwatch space. But yeah, anything, any notable MVP, just player the, you know, just envious the team again, I, mean, I guess. <laughs> because, I don't know. Notable stuff for me was yeah. like the, the last day was like a stomp. Stomps, right? It was just three yeah. O's, three O's, three O's. And obviously envious were the orchestrators of two out of three of those three zeros there. Yeah. But I think one thing to notice is that they are, um, a long way ahead. And what I think is so interesting now, we just talked before about NG Red, how, what, Huck, you said two weeks ago, they were not even on the same level. And now look at them, right? And then you see the, the gap between the top team and the other teams below them is actually potentially quite big. But how long does it really take to actually bridge that gap is the question uh, when we see what NG Red can do. So I just think it's super interesting. I think it's healthy. I think it's good that there's a team that is setting an incredibly high standard and a cracking pace forward in terms of esports here. Uh, I, I'm more than happy to see Envy keep dominating as much as it's a boring storyline because people have something to aspire to. Uh, they're, they're just normal people like everyone else. To Vic, maybe not so normal, but the rest of them. Um, <laughs> so it's just about putting in the time. Yeah, and, and of course, you, c you can't forget that Cloud9, they've had this you know rough patch where they weren't able to practice a ton. Same Sort of same situation for Reunited as Too Easy. Yep. Uh, just went through uh, the final, his finals, his final paper, uh, in university, so he, he, I guess he's done with university now, so I would expect to see a comeback of Reunited. You know, Rogue, they're underperforming right now, frankly. Uh, you know, when they the first tournament that they played in, they beat Reunited, they played so, so well, so I'm expecting all these teams to gain ground over time, and uh, I, I certainly would expect to see that happen with the, uh, you know, we've got, oh man, we've got so much going on. We've got all the ESL qualifiers coming into place, which are going to be a new rule sets, uh, like competitive mode, like uh, you know, Envious is dominant for literally the last two weeks. So we'll mm -hmm. see if that, you know, there's still plenty of time for that to change up. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think we're going to see a lot of teams catch up. And and you're right, totally right. Seeing NG Red uh, more or less like explode onto into prominence uh, in such a short amount of time is, is kind of proof of that. Yeah. And, you know, maybe one of the things that we were talking about with Meta, right, being, being a, a one of the factors as to certain teams rising or certain teams falling. And one, one of the things that's most obvious is that Farah, the prominence of Farah lately, I, I think Farah play has, has been a huge reason for whether a team you know, beats another team. Uh, so why don't we talk about that, like Farah? So why is Farah all of a sudden just becoming just the, you know, the DPS character to play right now? Because McCree and Widow suck a lot more now. So <laughs> simple answer. That is the most simple answer, yeah. Um, I think it's going to balance out a little bit more given time. I mean, we saw gods at the Josh OG event uh, do really well. Uh, it's just a more question of what, 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 can, what is going to be able to adapt. You, you always have these Widows that can get a pick or two. But then uh, the other opposite team, they basically just hide behind line of sights. And then that Widow is almost just not a character that's going to be able or to fight. Or just go Winston, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, true. But, and it's just, it's easily countered. So you can you can get that um, those quick picks. But unless you can push off those quick picks and actually take ground in any way, it kind of just goes right out the window. And, you know, when Widow and McCree aren't used as, mu as much, then it's just going to be for days because it's too much damage there's too much playmaking ability off that ult yeah. also the concussion grenade you know height is such <laughs> an important thing yeah. uh, in almost every map and Farah is great at displacing that yeah I think additionally as well um, we, we talk about like 
obviously with, with the nerfs of McCree and Widowmaker as well, that actually has direct impacts on teams that we've seen use them as a crutch before or use them extensively. Cloud9, uh, we see them now as well. Who is it sure for? Is it Reaver on Hitscan or who's yeah. playing Farrah? Or they're still readjusting. And Reunite uh, is an excellent example of this. Who does Value play? McCree. Who does Too Easy play? Widowmaker. Right? And they do have an excellent Farrah player in Unfixed. But he was often sort of flexing a lot through those. It was not wasn't like we need a staple Farah. So their roles are also being changed as well. But um, we talk about the rise of Farah, and it also we did see in the last few weeks Drunkrat be pro- prolific for defending mm-hmm. on hybrid maps. Now he's not so great gone, because yeah. with Farah being so prolific and good Farah players being able to shut him down, which is most often the best counter to a Junkrat. You see maps like Hollywood, great great Farahs on the attacking side, will boost up over the roof and just nail the Junkrat with two rockets and then you're in. Your Reinhardt is free to move yep. through the underpass without yep. being harassed. Yeah, uh, You're totally right. Uh, that's a great point that the prominence of Farah kind of makes Junkrat less, power, or less popular. But we've seen this happen so many times in the competitive meta. You know, <laughs> first it was Tracer and Genji were too strong. Then everyone started picking McCree to counter them. Then no one started. Then no one was picking uh, Tracer at all because McCrees were just dominating them. Now, you know, it's just this kind of moving back and forth slowly as people re- react to the new meta, the new flavor of the week or month or whatever. Uh, so that's always interesting to watch. Yeah, I think uh, across all esports, it's about, you know, as a player, as a pro player, you've got to stay ahead of that cycle. If you're dragging behind and you're on that slower timeline, mm-hmm. you're just, you're going to lose games. And that's what C9 is doing now. We're on the other side, teams like Envious, they're ahead of that cycle. And it's important to always stay ahead of the meta and be one step, one step ahead. Yeah. Uh, so another trend that we saw was uh, something that pertains to some uh, a trend that we were seeing maybe a week ago, which was you know seventy six kind of being the default McCree replacement, you know after the the um, the nerf. But now we're seeing Roadhog also. So I, I kind of want to talk about both seventy six and Roadhog. But Roadhog's literally in every single map at this point. I mean we're, play, we're playing you know at least double triple tanks you know, with Roadhog actually being a DPS character. Uh, yeah, talk, talk to us a little bit about that and how that's changed, even just in the last week. Uh, Mitch, you want to start us off? Yeah, I mean, the, the core of it is the concept of the one-shot, right? The concept of the one-hit-kill mm-hmm. combo, right, which McCree was quite effective at. Obviously, arguably far too effective. I think, like, over 900 damage bursts or something like that. So, Roadhog fills that role fairly well. Hook in left click and melee to the face and you yep. can eliminate those 150 to 200 health champs heroes pretty quickly he's robust a lot of health he has a self-heal he can look after himself obviously his ultimate has great utility and if if you combine it with a zaya old it's pretty disgusting uh, <laughs> yeah. so we, we, we do see this sometimes everyone is saying like ah, oh, you know like roadhog is almost a new mccree in this kind of way because he is a tank in his own right can output a, a ridiculous amount of damage and you'll see it in your pub games or whatever if your roadhog doesn't have a silver medal he's not playing well at least you know? <laughs> that's good point yeah that self hill is just so good it's on such a short cooldown timer too that mm-hmm. rogue hog if played correctly with a mercy backing him up probably with zarya's bubbling him too just has so much survivability it's it's uh it's pretty nasty um but also 76 you know we we've mentioned i guess you mentioned last week as well that he's really taken over mccree's position mm-hmm. he actually had an 80 percent pick rate or just a hair <laughs> under 80 percent pick rate in the tournaments this weekend it's crazy damn crazy that's just nuts because <laughs> uh, he's the best kid scan he's he the best hit scan right. hero available right now and he deals with farah's mercies and stuff better than mccree's and widows can right exactly like like our previous point 
probably because Farah is so prominent right now is we're seeing even more 76 than we would otherwise, right? Yeah, yep. I reckon so. Yeah. Uh, oh, Huck, did you have anything to add to it? Yeah, I yeah, mean, I these guys so. did a great job of covering why... Mm-hmm. Uh, why, why, why they're both uh, very popular, but I think it's in a more interesting dynamic because I want to see, you know, like everybody probably considers the last patch is like the McCree Widowmaker patch, mm-hmm. and this is more the Roadhog patch, uh, even Soldier 76, but I think it's taking a little bit longer for teams to figure out where the meta lies because even with those two characters, we're starting to see a lot more Reaper where we didn't say, see Reaper so much in the last uh, patch. And I, I still think, as I said, that it still needs to de- develop, but I think it's a more complex dynamic already, uh, which is what makes the game interesting instead of just having yeah. the, you know, McCree, no matter what, always 24 seven, you know, as many of them as we can. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we saw, well, surprising with the, just the entire weekend, just if you were to take a look at ev- just all the picks, we pretty much saw every character picked at some point. But there was one character that was not selected at all, Ooh. which was Zenyatta. And uh, it, that's pretty The telling. update just hit. Sorry. Oh, the update just hit? Apparently. Uh, oh, gosh, of course. It always hits literally Apparently. right after our show, so we have to wait a week to talk about it. It's, it's so funny. Um, but anyways, yeah, so Zenyatta, I, I figure th- this is like a big discussion, actually, in the subreddit, too. Um, I think it's pretty telling whenever a character is just not chosen, even in some obscure situation on one of the maps. And that's what we're seeing with Zenyatta. So is it time to do something with Zenyatta in terms of you know, buffing, whether it's mobility, make, make him a little faster or uh, just redesigning him a little bit because Discord's just so freaking strong that, uh, you know, that you just have to keep him weak in a lot of ways too. So uh, I don't know. What are your thoughts on it? Uh, Huck, you have any thoughts? Yeah. I'll have you start off actually. Yeah. Since... Oh, muted. Oh, <laughs> don't hear you. Don't hear you. Uh oh. We might have, let me see. Uh, <laughs> oh, go to okay, fish sticks. Why don't you start off first? Yeah, so uh, we've had this conversation, I think, as early as like the first shows that I was on with you guys. Uh, and especially after Lucio got nerfed and all that, I've always been a fan of DPS characters that can still frag. Mm-hmm. So in a, in a certain way, you know, I'm, I'm not a super high-level player, unfortunately. I wish I had more time to play the game. Mm-hmm. But... I really wonder, would Zenyatta be too OP if he just had 200 HP like every other support mm, does? Yeah. Um, I love that idea. I mean, Zenyatta would get picked like crazy if he had the 200 HP, I think. He would fit into so many compositions as a high-damage, uh, high-impact uh, support character that still can, you know, transcend it, still very powerful ability. Discord, as you mentioned, still very, very powerful. Uh, Harmony... It got buffed a little bit, so it does. Okay. It actually heals enough. Um, would he be too OP? Maybe I'm not sure, but I love. I actually like the concept of having some support characters that can frag a little bit better. Maybe their healing isn't quite as good as a Mercy or a Lucio, but they can actually frag. Um, I'd like to see it. Um, you know, another thing that everyone always talks about with Zenyatta is his lack of movement abilities. So he has really no way to escape from something like a Tracer or Genji in the back lines. So you could buff his movement in some way. I think that would be neat as well. I'm also always in favor of additional movement abilities. Um, but yeah, I, I would be interested just to see 
what it's like with a 200 HP Zenyatta. Is that does that make him way too OP? Do we start seeing mo- like multiple Zenyatta? Well, I guess not with the one meta would limit, be cra- but yeah. The meta would be pretty crazy yeah. if Zen- Zenyatta entered the space because then these Roadhogs would just be melted. You know, I mean, Discord would just Discord and would counters Roadhogs. Again, yeah, exactly. Zenyatta. Then we're back yeah. to, to, to creeps and Widow again. But Widows can't kill them as well anymore, right? So uh, exactly, and for yeah. that reason. For that reason, we may see a, a small resurgence in Zenyatta as well. And I like that um, Ben touched on the idea of his health pool or or how much he has. I actually wouldn't mind turning the attention to how it works because if you if you bear in mind, he's got 50 health and, what, 100 shield or, or however much it is. So Zenyatta is a hero currently that needs to dip in and out of fights because he needs some time of not taking any damage to right. recharge his shield to get back in. The problem is fights are prolonged. We're not skirmishing in Overwatch right now. We are running at each other full pelt, belting yep. each other until we die, getting rezzed and doing it all over again. Yep. So the whole paradigm behind how Zenyatta's health pool works in general or his survivability, it's actually incongruent with the way we're playing Overwatch right now as well. He needs to be in and out of the fight, sort of in the back lines and then getting safe and getting that shield back. I mean, it's incredibly strong that he can, you know, take 100 damage and come back at full health or as much as he started with here. But, you know, the way that works probably needs a bit of uh, a look in because there's a way of playing Overwatch right now and Zenyatta kind of doesn't lend himself to being optimal in a lot of these situations. And and I think his low health pool is a result of that. He can't really hang around Mm -hmm. in the fights. All right, see if Chris is back here. Oh, say something. Test. There you go. Okay, you're back. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. I, I had no idea, guys. My <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. So what was the what was yeah. the TLDR on Zenyatta? She sucks, and how do we buff? Uh, so Ben suggested more hit points. Uh, and, I like that idea. Okay. Um, and, and mobility is obviously something that we can you know, think about changing. But another point was just that the meta would change so drastically if, if Zenyatta was uh, in I don't know. It's a weird hero to balance. It I don't is. think it is. I don't think there's the simple fix, and I think it's going to take a while to get it into a place where it's used. But it, a hero that's never used is a problem. A hero that, hero that is rarely used isn't a problem. So they need to just give it a little bit of a buff somewhere. Um, it's also a hero that's easily hit. Um, I don't know. I always, whenever I see Zenyatta, yeah, I'm just like, I want to fucking kill that balloon. That's what <laughs> so it looks easy. like. It's like a pinata to me. Like, I just want to hit it with the stick. So, um, yeah, something needs to be fixed. With yeah, that. his his hit radius seems to be bigger than his actual body is, which is just kind of funny. It's weird sometimes. What do you guys think about just, you know, I, I feel like Discord's the main issue with with uh, Zenyatta. It's such a powerful thing, and obviously the Harmony Orb is not is great too as a heal. Uh, what if what if all that stuff stayed the same and we maybe upped his hit points too and we just made his damage less? Uh, I wonder if that would be enough. That would make him a lot more similar to the other support characters. Um, I like having yeah. different support characters, though. I, I, mean, I don't know. I love his his offensive ability. Don't get me wrong. That's like one of the fun, the most fun things about Zenyatta. But I, I just feel like it's something that's going to be so hard to balance if you just don't veer to one side and having him like so powerful like hybrid wise um but yeah it'll be nice to see him something something change about him because I, I don't think overwatch is in a good spot if you know if if out of the t- first 21 characters like there's one character that's just is absolutely not played ever that that's kind of strange eventually we will have characters that won't be played but i feel like right now it's it's a little bit surprising i mean if you go all the way back to the the old double genji doubles and yada meta 
why did that work? It was because the orbs lasted forever. You didn't have to yeah. have any line of sight at all. Mm -hmm. That alone was enough to make Zenyatta extremely good in the in the meta back then. Uh, so another thing that we didn't touch on is like, and a lot of people suggested when they first nerfed him is maybe like five seconds uh, sure. or six seconds before uh, before the orbs disappear mm. instead of just three. Because with three, it's like you can just dip away in like a half second and the orbs dissipate, the the uh, discord orb and the harmony orb as well. So maybe that would help a little bit, but ultimately I don't think it's going to be too impact impactful. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the future with Zenyatta. Um, one, a couple a couple last things to, to mention with Weekend Trends. Uh, we did see Ilios a couple times, and we actually did see Ilios a little bit in the Gosu Gamer Weeklies, too, like maybe once or twice. Uh, this is a map that we saw zero times, like in competitive events. So I thought that was interesting. Any reasons that you guys saw for the Ilios choices? I think it was a surprise to me that people were banning it so often. So, mm -hmm. I, I mean, okay. look, Hawk's a pro gamer. I'm sure he's he'll be able to back me up on this. But pro gamers just hate variability. Uh, they want to they want as much consistency as possible. Yeah. And you know, with wells and with all the ledges, you know, it, it just has that potential to be kind of crazy. Uh, but I think the map is fun as hell, dude. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know. If, I don't know if I'm like. Maybe uh, maybe everyone will lose a lot of respect for me now, but like that's actually one of my favorite maps to play in the in the whole game. I really like Ilios, except for maybe the temple or maybe the uh, the really long whatever that point is called. I forget, uh, but I, I like it actually. So I'm not surprised to see it come back. Yeah, I like it too. I, I it's a fun fun map. I think it's more of what Ben said, and then on top of that, I think um, teams just realize when they're playing a certain team that maybe they're really strong on certain maps, so they'd rather roll the dice than play a team where they're, you know, maybe certain strong on payloads or mm -hmm. other maps. Mm -hmm. hmm. Yeah, I think, uh, like, with with patches and new things in games, I think generally pros are, like, super-averse to them to start with, right? So if something comes out, a new map, no, nope, not fucking playing it, no, not happening, no, until they've had, like, a decent amount of time to deal with it, and same things when same thing when things get nerfed, right? I remember when McCree was originally really OP and there was no damage fall-off and he get 210 damage headshots across the map, and they nerfed him, no one played him. But he was still broken. He still had a fan hammer that was incredibly strong. And then people started to creep in, right? You've there were a there were a cautious bunch of pro players. But Reunited are happy to play Ilios. They're two and zero on it so far in competitive play. I think they brought it out in the Ghost Weekly and then maybe in uh the Go for Overwatch on the weekend, maybe. I'm not sure. They got knocked out in the round of 64, so <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. not 100% sure. But yeah, I think there's just like, a, you start to pick it up, right? Teams like Anox, for example, who are obviously feature Cooler and Cypher and Sharik and a few other like Quake Arena guys and stuff like that, they have a proclivity for those kind of style of maps as the, the TDM style or the sort of the single spatial objective. And, and they were really good at those for a while. So there's a multitude of reasons, I think. Oh, shit. Okay, well, so we just got some oh, news. Shit. Oh, guys. shit. We just oh, got shit. some big news. Okay, so we got some big team news here from uh, our co-host, Shade, who, who uh, couldn't make it today. But apparently Esper is leaving Luminosity Gaming, which is huge. I mean, Esper has been mer their mercy forever now. And Esper's a great mercy, too. So, uh, yeah, this is huge, uh, especially with LG just being on fire lately. Thoughts, or initial thoughts, Ben. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> this is coming right after all the stupid Twitch chat <sighs> memes. 
Uh, I, I really hope it wasn't because of the freaking Twitch yeah. chat. I mean, the poor guy's been uh, getting shit on for really no reason at all. It's just uh, because it's edgy and funny to have a meme about a mercy that dies yeah. all the time. I don't know. It's just a shame. Hopefully, it wasn't him leaving and giving up with it. Because I, I think he, he, he did post about it in Pro Talk. He said, oh, it's just, it's, I don't really mind it too much. Like, not a big deal. But who knows if it really got to him. No, that I would, think it, go, go ahead, it's public Mark, perception. It's horrible. As a pro player, to have yeah. people constantly ragging on you, like, even if you, you don't think... Uh, it will matter at the end of the day. It does. Um, Same so, as a castmate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like yeah. we, when you look at Reddit, we have feelings a, too. Yeah, and if you get bad, <laughs> if you get bad stuff on Reddit, you're immediately like, "What the fuck?" You feel so bad because you know that you know people read that. Pro players read it. Even you know, pro players probably have a better perspective. It's just, it's never a good thing. Yeah. I, gosh. I hope now. That, I just I, I, I just want to know who's going to replace him. I mean, yeah, yeah. LG's honestly like. Uh, oh man. Okay, look, we had really high expectations for the original classic mix-up. They didn't meet those insanely high expectations at first, but they have been consistently getting better and better and better and better, uh, up into the point where it's no surprise to see them beating really good teams like Reunited and 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 Cloud Nine. So you know, this this does suck for them because they have been on the right track, at least from my perspective, it feels that way. But you know, we'll see. Who's it gonna be? Who's gonna replace them? Now I'm now I'm trying to brainstorm like who's who's a free agent right now that plays support. Um, do you do you think they have someone ready right now or they're gonna I are their options? I don't know. We don't I have to find out from Shade, but I have this feeling it might have been like sudden. players as well. Like there could be, uh, there could be quite a few. There are a lot of yeah, there are that's free agents that that's are really true. good. That's definitely true. I think Mercy might be you know more replaceable compared to you know some of the hitscan guys. Um, but still, he was definitely one of the. Oh, they're doing tryouts this week, so. Uh, oh shit! Yeah, but cool. I think look, Shade gave away stuff all in that announcement as usual. Esports talk, but you did say that the team feels that a roster change is necessary. So that to me doesn't make me feel that it was Esper's decision to leave at all, or maybe not majority anyway. Okay. Wow. Well, all right. Well, well, we'll find out soon. Yeah, I guess that's that's definitely big news. <laughs> Crazy. Uh, that's Overwatch <laughs> team esports right now. It's uh, you can you never know. Even teams that win, you know, like will shake things up. So. But uh, yeah, I just hope it didn't have a lot to do with just all the the memeing and stuff like that. That would be very very unfortunate. Um, okay, so last point, and I think was Ben. Did you add this oversaturation? Or yeah, I just uh, added it. Uh, I added it because. We saw Envious in the grand finals of three tournaments in five days, and two of them were against Cloud9. And right now, Cloud9 and Envious are like the two teams to beat. And we basically saw them play three times in, in five days. Hmm. Uh, so this is always a, a, this discussion happens so. in every esports community. It has to happen at some point, uh, and it makes it really makes sense um, why it happens every single time. Uh, it goes like this: game comes out, viewership's really good. Everyone sees an opportunity for ROI for their sponsors. Everyone hosts tournaments until there's the ROI starts to normalize. It's just an economic system. And right now, uh, demand and supply are in flux. Like demand is super, super high, but the supply of tournaments and to watch has just exploded. Um, Cause it's not just the ghost of gamers weeklies every single week and these big tournaments and the alienware weeklies. And there's even, there's a thing in France next week. And, uh, there's also the king of the watch. Like there's basically like a tournament with most of the time with most of the top teams, like 
every other day. Um, so I'm not like I'm not saying the sky is falling or anything, but I, it's just a discussion that I think it's something that we should have at the top of our minds. And it's not like us talking about it's going to convince somebody to not do a tournament. Um, everyone's trying to get in for a lot of reasons right now, but yeah. So, I mean, this yes. is something I brought up like a long time ago. I mean, not even that long ago, right, Ben? Is just the just worrying about oversaturation because of the amount of hype that Overwatch has generated, and uh, we we saw that we saw this with Hearthstone to a degree too. Just when it was going crazy, and people, you know, just saw that that an event can can get twenty, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars, you know, thousand concurrent viewers at one time, and then everybody just decides to try to do it. Uh, it's going to happen, like you said, Ben. But I would say, like, if, if you're an event organizer and you know you're you're wanting to do this, you have a sponsor and you're trying to you know like like basically uh, meet all these needs for sponsors and raise the money, just make sure you do something that's like very unique and special, because like the last thing we need is like to have the same tournaments over and over and over. Uh, that's the only thing I'll say because like that is when it's like oversaturation at its worst. Whenever you have things like, you know, home story cup, that's kind of different, you know, and then you actually have, you know, just the main, whatever the blizzard circuit is. And then you'll have like a dream hack or something like that. Th that that's better. That's definitely, I I'm okay. I, I feel at least better as a, you know, a fan, fan spectator, um, in terms of just having a lot of events, as long as they're different in some way. But when you start seeing the same cookie cutter events over and over and over, that's when it's, it starts becoming a very bad thing. Hmm. I mean, it, it noted to uh, Navi versus Alliance was, was El Clasico, and then <laughs> yeah. it just got boring. You saw it twice right, a month, right. every single month for like a year and a half, and then suddenly it didn't have meaning anymore. So anyway, Mitch, I interrupted very rudely. Please. No, no, no. I mean, like, it's the same. It was the same in CS, actually, but we went from online to actual land event saturation as well. <laughs> Players were... But this is a, a accurate projection of what the future may well look like, right? Where if, if, you, if this happens, I mean, I don't know. I think I think Blizzard will be more involved in than Valve, and they already have been more involved in Valve, so it's not a concern, but okay, like, there, there's, there's a fair few tournaments going on in Europe. It doesn't seem... Ooh, doesn't seem that bad uh, <laughs> at the moment because, okay, we've got these these two French tournaments, ROG and Amazon France, right? That's going on, uh, which most people don't even know about except the players because they're only cast in French for whatever reason. Um, we do our thing on the Sunday, our little go for Overwatch tournament. But when you look at it from like uh, the big perspective and when you realize that a lot of teams are playing in NA and, and EU tournaments or mostly EU teams playing across, then it's like holy crap, especially in in the NA scene, there are a lot of tournaments. There's the the Soylent, uh, the Milk, the, the yeah yeah. The, the, I can't the, even keep. The, the, I am as hard as You're talking about the beat, the beat of it. No, uh, I, I can't anyone, follow everything. Yeah, yeah. It's impossible. Like, I'm like, okay, I'm doing the show with the lads. Let's have a look at the the topic sheet. I'm like, pff, I didn't watch like half of these tournaments over the weekend. So I mean, just on a personal level, it's hard to keep track of. So for players. They're enjoying this right now. It's exposure. It's practice. Mm -hmm. It's it's like it's test conditions for them. But eventually, they're going to get sick of it. Yeah. Well, it'll just come to a point where they're just going to start skipping the smaller events. I mean, that's right. the bottom line. We mm -hmm. can talk about it as Ben said all all we want, but eventually, it just gets to a point, and you're just like, all right, I've been going. I went to two lands this month, and fuck this online tournament. I'd rather just chill, scrim, practice. And I think the the really good thing about this uh, oversaturation problem, I'm using air quotes because it's really not a problem yet or may, may never be, uh, is that we're having 124 teams sign up for every Gozu Gamer <laughs> yep. weekly. So it's just another proving ground for the amateur up and coming mid tier competitive teams to, to get noticed and have, you know, have prize pools and competition.
Yeah. And I think yeah. I think that's really good because we're still going to have that going into the future. And mm-hmm. then er, that's how it always works is that the big dogs are just going to be very selective. But if you still want to grind out and take those steps to becoming a pro gamer, it's important to still have those steps. The worst case is that you only have big events and you don't have small events. You right. don't have online cups. And then it's just very, very stagnated. So yeah. I, I'm, ha- I'm I think it's going to meet that balance. But right now, yeah. It's pretty. It's rough out there, boys. Yeah, or at least the events are all in the same pool. Eventually, like yeah. you said, they'll they'll start to tier, you know, top, tier one, tier two, tier three type of thing, uh, in the near future. And that, and then, like you said, it's all it, it's all dependent upon the teams and what, how they select to attend tournaments. I thought we were starting to see it, but then all of a sudden it's come back to. I mean, I, the the issue is that a lot of these these events recently have large prize pools. You know, like these are the largest we've seen, right? So it, you, we haven't gotten to the point where the the um, standard has been set for consistent prize pools for for Overwatch. Once that happens, I think the teams it'll be very obvious what they should attend, or at least the top teams and what they shouldn't. Yes. Uh, all right. Last. Let's see. Last thing that we have here uh, is a. Um, it's Icarus is, is meta weekly, right? The the tiers. Did you want to talk a little bit about yeah. that, Ben? Mm-hmm. I mean, we we basically talked about most of it already. Um, I think probably better to just focus on like the, the really standout stats here. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would say not a surprise to see Mercy and, and Lucio in the A tier. Again, guys, this is uh, Icarus. He puts together really nice meta recaps each week that summarize uh, the, the picks and bands, not picks and bands, but hero picks in the competitive tournaments of the week. And uh, no surprise to see Mercy and Lucio really high on the list. Um, but Soldier 76 with basically an 80% pick rate. He was the highest of the B-tier picks. Um, obviously, we talked about Farah, um, Farah, Reinhardt, Mercy, Lucio, Winston, Soldier now a- as being like the really, really core uh, picks on almost every payload map. Um, Roadhog also jumped hugely. I think he jumped from like D-tier to, to B-tier from week to week, um, but he's we've been seeing him more and more. But uh, interesting, Tracer, Genji, Widowmaker as the C-tier, so... Mm-hmm. Tracer and Genji continuing to not re- to be really niche picks, um, more common on the King of the Hill maps, I think, than anything. Um, Genji still can be an absolute game. Actually, both can be a game changer, especially with their ultimates, uh, but getting less and less picks. And I think one of the things that stands out to me here the most is in the D tier list, we now have Junkrat, who, as Mitch talked about earlier, was basically a staple of every single payload defense Uh and now has just immediately dropped in favor of 76 and others, uh, and maybe because of Farah picks. Um, And also Symmetra, who has gone up and gone down quite a few times in in the meta, but Symmetra really rarely picked now, even on the payload maps where she used to get picked all the time. Um, For me, these are kind of like the standouts. Of course, McCree has continued to plummet in pick rates uh, after the nerf, um, but not a huge surprise there. The rest pretty much in line with what we've seen in the past, I believe, unless I'm missing something. Um, I think, I think the Symmetra's decline has a lot to do with Lucio's um, raise actually as well. If you see him, obviously you see him now of the overused sort of tier, 
because it was always like teams would have a Mercy and a Lucio sometimes on defense on a hybrid map, for example, when teams wanted to defend a bit more aggressively, right? So you'd actually speed boost your team into an attacking team before they were set up. King's Rose is a great example, right? Attacking team rocks up, they get sort of behind the statue coming around, and then all of a sudden you hit the go button as a defending team and go in and jump on them. So there was that strategy, or there was the Symmetra Mercy strategy where you'd lay all your turrets up and, and you'd set it up. And this wouldn't allow you really to go and fight. You had to be reactive and not proactive about teams that were sort of on the defensive side, that is. So that was a big difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, definitely check out Icarus's... Uh, it's the meta-analysis or recap that he does. It's a video. It's in a video form. So I, I linked it in the chat. And um, he does a great job with it. Spends a lot of time on it too. So definitely, uh, yeah, it's, it's just good content in the community. Definitely check it out. Uh Upcoming events, so I just want to do a quick recap of what's coming up. The Beat Invitational is going to be happening. It actually happens it's today at some point. I was talking to ZP. ZP is going to be casting that today, a little bit later. Uh, definitely check that out. It's a $7,500 prize pool tournament. Uh, some of the some of the big teams are in it too. Not all of them, but some of them are, are definitely there. Um, and let's see, what else? The the ESL qualifiers. You want to start to talk a little bit about that, Mitch? That This is the qualifiers for the big tournament, right? And, uh, game oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Starting to heat up. Yeah. yeah. So I think the announcement article um, was sort of initially said that it started on the 28th for some reason. I'm mm -hmm. not really sure why that was. I have to pin that down on editorial at this stage. Obviously, it kicks off on the 4th for EU and on the 6th for NA. So basically, it's going to be uh, four days a week uh, broadcast anyway from us. So obviously, two days EU, then two days NA. It's very early in the day for NA. Now, this was in intentional. Uh, obviously, this is sort of agreed upon time. And for, for some people, it may be a little bit inconvenient, but we think it, it's probably the, the the sweet spot in terms of uh, all things considered, I think, time-wise for it. So people may have to take time off work and school and that kind of thing. But we'd like to think this is maybe worthwhile taking uh, a little bit of time off for. Um, yeah, just around the corner. It's uh, it's going to be it's going to be pretty intense, I think. And the fact that we've got four from NA and four from EU, you tell me. You try to give me the top <laughs> four from each region. You're going to have problems. It's going to be incredibly, incredibly competitive. Luckily, it won't be randomly seeded. <laughs> like some of the stuff <laughs> Please do not day, randomly so, seed no, them. No, no, oh no, my no. goodness. So it, it will be seeded. I mean, uh, either teams that perhaps aren't in the, the top twenty, I guess, of teams. Um, are encouraged to play sort of the Go for Overwatch tournaments as well because that yeah. we, we will try and loosely seed teams that maybe we're not aware of off that. But obviously, there is a pretty set in stone uh, group of teams that you'd say top eight, top 12, or whatever. So those teams won't be randomly seeded. We won't see guys like Creation versus Rogue in the first round or something ridiculous like that. So uh, we'll be pouring over it. There may be some growing pains uh, initially as we sort of work through the format because obviously we're using the com the new competitive format uh, for Blizzard. Well, that's the fingers. plan, anyway. Ooh, no, Cross seriously though, I think I think it's I think it's going to be okay. I'm actually really quite upbeat about the whole thing. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm looking I'm looking forward to seeing how it all plays out. It's kind of exciting and uh, and see how teams sort of play differently, uh, if at all. Uh, so yeah, I'm pretty pumped about it. It's gonna be me, Jason, and D-Man four days a week. So there'll be plenty to watch. Oh hell yeah, dude! Oh, I'm wow. looking forward to tuning in, man. Yeah, it's gonna be it's awesome. Gonna be four days a week. All right, good stuff. Uh, and lastly, there's an Acer Pro Challenge. It's a European Overwatch tournament that's going to happen. All the top European teams will be participating. The Rogues, Creation, Reunited, Misfits, Melty, all Anox, what is it, Broverwatch, and SG1 will all be there. Uh, so definitely tune into that. 
Uh, and that's, I guess that's going to be it for at least the events. Um, I did have a little segment I wanted to do just, I kind of started last week, which was just like just one little tidbit of content for maybe some of the casual new players since, uh, you know, I've had some new players just recently, you know, let me know that they watch the show and stuff. So I figured I'd mentioned uh, a guide, a mouse sensitivity guide, which Huck, you probably are, are uh, would, would be good at, 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 at talking about just how how important that is and how maybe some people don't even understand it. Uh, but Pronto Gaming created a, a video that goes through it pretty well and uh, especially for new people understanding just dpi of your mouse and and what the settings are like and uh how it pertains to overwatch so you should definitely my, check that out my settings are fucking horrible man are they i'm so lazy because like i should totally have different settings for my windows than from my overwatch but i just like have it i just will i'm too lazy man, to set I've, up a different I've profile used every sensitivity tool i could find to, just to try and fine tune it because i'm a dirty <laughs> mccree main right so if oh, i'm not in the clicks yeah. i'm getting really mad so I find it really interesting though as well because obviously Overwatch uses more of an integer-based system for their sensitivities uh-huh. and I found that I'll, I, it took me ages to get the scope ratio for Widowmaker right as opposed to for me obviously having played Counter-Strike level offensive before Overwatch is my main shooter. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took me ages to figure out sort of where that sort of married up and stuff because I play mm-hmm. with whack settings. I'm super like I'm like one sense in game, 800 DPI, notch four, like super low sense. So for me, like it took me ages to sift through. So I think tools like this are really cool because there's not necessarily an intuitive link. There's I think there's nothing wrong with Blizzard's system that the way that they have. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could use more than just integer sensitivity notches, but apart from that, it's fine. But I wanted to try and marry it up as close as I could to what I play with CS because it is so ingrained in me after playing and playing COD 4 for like 5K hours when I was younger as well. Right. Yeah, so anyways, check that out, guys. I linked it in the chat, and I'll provide the links to on the show uh, the show page for everybody listening, everybody watching. Uh, so we're going to do some Q&A here, maybe take three or four questions. Uh, while I'm, I guess, figuring out what questions, go ahead and ask them in Twitch chat too. There's a few on Twitter, but you go ahead and ask them in Twitch chat, and maybe Ben, keep an eye on that. Uh, while we're doing that, I want to give a shout-out to all the folks listening on iTunes and uh, Google Podcasts. Uh, big shout-out to Boo Sam Pop for leaving a five-star review for the show. Uh, if you want to help out the show, that's, a, that's one of the best ways that you can help support the show is by leaving a, a review and a uh, five-star review and a, a nice little note. That, that helps a lot in the rankings. Um, and also, some folks have been having some issues with iTunes and the feed not updating. If that happens, guys... Uh, I am updating the, the I'm, I am sending out the audio versions like consistently. So if you're not getting them, go ahead and unsub it or delete the podcast and resub to it. And that usually fixes the problem. I'm not sure what's going on with iTunes. So, uh, but I've had a few, few, uh, users tweet me about it and that's, that seems to fix, fix it. So uh, try that next time. Okay. Questions. Uh, we have a question on Twitter from. Uh, Pillowkeeper, what's your thoughts on the possible new heroes of Sombra and Doomfist? Bring them sooner than later. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Please support. I was hoping it would be Same like early before. summer. I was hoping it would be early summer. I, but it looks like it's going to be uh, late summer. I think uh, if I know Blizzard and the way that they sort of approach like the creativity and the uniqueness and the, the mechanics of these heroes, mm-hmm. they're going to rip the meta apart. Even just one of them, I think it's going to completely yep. change the way the game is played at all levels. Okay. Yeah. Okay, you think it's going to rip the the meta apart? All right. Well, Absolutely. Sombra. Everybody was projecting Sombra to be a sniper healer. Would that really 
that wouldn't rip the meta apart. I mean, that might not even be used, honestly. <laughs> so, I mean, it really depends on, I guess, the other aspects of it, or even if that that uh, hypothesis is even correct. But it's such uh, a boiling pot right now as well, and it's so volatile, the meta as well. You see how it changes. Junkrat now is no good because Farah is good and stuff like that as well. You give yeah. it a little little poke, and you might have a block in your face, or you might have a very uh, you know interesting reaction there as well. So I don't think it takes much, actually, for one new hero to change the meta, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that... You know, the mechanics that we're seeing from the heroes that we have now as well, Blizzard are going to see that. And I think there's, it's going to, it's so, so hyped, dude. Seriously, I honestly think it's going to change a lot. Probably more than most people think it will change. Mm-hmm. Doomfist, man. I'm, I'm, I'm hyped about Doomfist. I want to see, I want to see what they do with that. That, that ultimate could be amazing. Um, all right. Tuturu, yeah, Tuturu Kar- Karen asks, was the Widow scope animation nerf too much? Was it wrong to remove a fun movement mechanic that makes the hero less dynamic? Uh, I mean... She's a sniper. She's not supposed to be dynamic. She's exactly. supposed to sit there, <laughs> shut up, and take shots. I think, yeah, you need to be more spatially aware right now, but it means you can't do stupid MLG 720 bangerang stuff that you probably really shouldn't be able to. Yeah, and the worry there was, oh man, we've seen all of these epic plays from Reaver, from Zoms, from these amazing hitscan players. They're really fun to watch in first person. ZP's going to scream like a maniac every time it happens, but uh, we also still saw that. You know, Gods was still able to do that this last weekend several times. Uh, so she still has the ability to go ham. You just have to commit a little bit more. Um so I don't play Widow myself, so I, I, I'm not the best to answer. But I'm at least glad that we're still seeing these Widow streaks. It like didn't actually totally kill her ability to do that and go completely ham and change the whole game. So mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Huck, any, any thoughts on the Widow change too much? No? <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, kill a Joel. Do you guys feel the game will need to upgrade their netcode at some point to stay successful? Or is it fine how it currently is? Oh, <laughs> all right. I have no, some no. input. Oh, okay, yeah. It's then I, actually, I I went like this because I remembered that we hadn't covered this yet. We wasn't we didn't put it. Oh in yeah, the we script. didn't talk. Yeah, and it was something that I wanted to bring up is that people used the high bandwidth servers this weekend for That's Onog. Right. Um, right. It wasn't forced. It was actually just if both teams wanted to play with it, they could. Uh, but I'm very happy to say that from what I've heard and I've asked around a little bit, it looks like the uh, high bandwidth servers are working as they should as as intended they're not crashing uh, like they were in previous patches they're working and apparently they feel great so high bandwidth servers are in the game today people are using them they're totally working and if that's the case i don't see why we don't just use it from now on in perpetuity we were yeah we were using it at the josh og tournament too mm-hmm. same thing they were great so yeah boom i think it yeah, as long as it's not, bu- you know, none of those bugs that we saw before, and you know, it's definitely a little bit harder to 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 um to actually pull people in the sixty you know, sixty hertz servers than it is on a twenty hertz server. So uh, you definitely use it. There's no reason not to, and hopefully we'll see it just on the standard servers eventually. Uh, okay, there's one actually addressed to you, Fishsticks. Is this Jose Ramirez? What's this one about? Let's see. Uh, it says Fishsticks. There have been a couple Reddit threads discussing the impact of stopwatch to meta meaning that it could limit the possible team composition strategies in favor of a quicker of the quicker ones for attack and obviously the more tank heavy delay tactics on the defense do you agree what are your thoughts what do you see as being the best possible rule set 
Uh, we've we talked about this. kind of touched on. Yeah. yeah, we've touched on this in previous episodes, like briefly. Um, I don't really buy the argument that gameplay that forces you, you know, that all depends on speed really changes how you're going to approach the game too, too much. I mean, obviously there are cases at the very end of maps where you can pick a million tracers. Um, Obviously though, with one hero limit, that's a non-factor. So I don't really buy the argument that it's going to change the heroes that you pick very much at all. Um, Only in some very limited cases do I think this uh, really impacts the way you play and the heroes you choose um, greatly further with the time bank rule set that Blizzard has proposed, <laughs> yeah. it's about going fast again, anyway. So, um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't think that this is really an issue in my, in my opinion. I know Blizzard themselves have said that they don't like the fact that uh, that stopwatch encourages compositions that go fast over everything else. They have said that publicly, if I remember correctly. Um, but you know the the rule sets that they're proposing now are also based on time. So I don't know. Um, I'm just a fan of you know I'm just a fan of stopwatch in general, and I don't think that it really impacts how entertaining the games are, or how fun the games are, or or even really how they're played very much um, in the end. But I don't know if the other hosts think think about it differently or not. What are your thoughts on just different formats, Huck? Like we, you know, we've talked about it at nauseum. It's just different things that we've just ideas or whatnot that aren't stop much. But anything that you that's that you've had or maybe thinking of that might actually be a, a decent thing to try. I think the biggest problem with a lot of esports, uh, especially going into the future, we see it um, on many issues. It's just it being boring. You know, I'm a guy that you know, coming from a pro standpoint, I want to see the best gameplay possible but what's more important i think for most of the casual players slash viewers of the sport is that things are new and fresh so uh the more dynamic and the more varied those things are i think the better it is so i would love to see different kinds of game modes and new maps and that constantly to be refreshed even if it is a little game breaking at times Mm -hmm. and you you'd like that to be part of the let's just say there is a league right like a just the blizzard overwatch league or whatever it is you would want it to be part of the regular thing or would you want it to be just specific to you know just a uniqueness of an event you know having it be this kind of crazy format and then this event has a different one and that sort of thing i think at the highest level if there's a huge league they need to go off what's most fair um so i would like to see it a a little bit more restricted but i think overwatch will be at a big enough point where we can have one-off events that basically maybe focus on something that's unique mm-hmm. and that's going to be more on the tournament organizers to you know if you don't have as much money or if you, you can't compete with these other right. you know obviously if there is a big league as you said then i'm sure it's going to dominate them dominate the market to a certain extent and that's where you know as another event you got to kind of pick pick your battles and that might be a unique standpoint you could use mm-hmm. All right, guys. Well, I think that's it for the the questions this week. So thanks to everybody for writing those in and participating in the show with us. But uh, why don't we wrap up the show? Huck, amazing having you on, buddy. It's uh, This is the first Overwatch show I've had you on, so a lot of fun. Any shout-outs you want to do? Yeah, man. Shout-out to you guys for having me on in the chat for being here. And sorry, I don't know what the hell happened with my mic. <laughs> it's crazy. It's, it's, it's a new thing for me because I, uh, I stream on a dual PC setup. So having to redo everything was a pain in the butt. It seemed fine, but apologies again. And uh, yeah, man, let's just uh, fucking battle on to the future. I'm looking forward to everything Overwatch. So let's let's go, boys. Let's go. 
Yeah, yeah. Mitch, uh, always a pleasure having you on too. You're like a, you're almost like an extended family of this show already. So I was considering you exactly. Uh, Want to do any shout outs? Uh, yeah, shout out to you guys. Always a pleasure to come and chat about the real issues. You know, uh, yeah. it's, it's good fun uh, as always. Shout out to Jason Kaplan as well. who's a bit busy tonight. Couldn't be on for the bands. Shout out to uh, Lee Deman Smith as he's about to have yeah. the nastiest four weeks of his life casting more Overwatch than he knows what to do with. Uh, shout out to you guys. Shout out to my subs as well. I have like five subs so woo, uh, hey, <laughs> who uh, who tuned cool. in tonight as well, which is really good. Um, shout out to my uh, my mates at ESL as well, especially those who are the, the big wigs who are in charge of the Overwatch Gamescom stuff. Mm-hmm. Who let mm, guys like me and Jason have input into how it all works, and as well to Blizzard as well, because a lot of their guidance has been really interesting and their, their insights and stuff really help us in our direction alongside them as well. So thanks. Fish sticks. How about you, buddy? It's good to have you back. Uh, yeah, awesome show. Uh, glad to be back. I'm going on vacation next week, but I think I'm going to bring my laptop and just like play Overwatch. Yeah. Uh, so I, I might be here next week. I'm not quite sure yet. Uh, great show. Tons of fun. Lots of good stuff to talk about. Really looking forward to seeing the ESL Atlantic showdown qualifiers and that tournament unfold. Because, guys, this is the first time that Blizzard is actually officially supporting the tournaments um and and endorsing the tournaments um which you know might sound uh, may not sound like a huge deal to everybody but because we've had so many tournaments and we've had significant prize pools and all that but i think it's a massive deal uh this is going to be the first true overwatch extravaganza and it starts with a ton of qualifiers so definitely looking forward to watching uh those qualifiers unfold over the next couple of weeks uh, other than that, uh, make sure to subscribe to the competitive Overwatch subreddit. Yes. It's still growing. It's What's actually it still What's growing pretty now? quickly. I didn't look at the number. I was on it. I just never looked at the number, though. I always just look at the, the number of concurrent people on the subreddit. And right now there's a thousand. So oh, that, wow. that actually is growing like crazy. Yeah. Uh, it might be because of the patch. I don't know. 27, but, um, 27, 28K. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> It's a great place. Uh, people post about all the upcoming tournaments. Uh, they post about tournament results. They post videos about meta. They mm-hmm. discussions about meta. Um, you know, there's the Luminosity Gaming removes Esper post right there. So if you're interested in the competitive scene, which if you've made it this far into the show, I'm pretty sure you are. Yes. Uh, go give it a subscribe. Yeah, I just linked it too for you guys to check it out. Uh, and yeah, I just want to thank you guys for doing the show with me, the three of you guys. It's always a lot of fun. Tuesdays are always a good day because of the overview. Uh, and, uh, you know, big shout out to uh, just, I guess our co-hosts that aren't here too, just Jason and, and Shade. They're, they're uh, busy with a few things, unfortunately, today. Hopefully we'll, I think Shade will be back. Jason, I think, is going to be with you, Rich, doing the... Um, just just the qualifiers right all week long so a, a bit tied up for a month or yeah so. a bit tied up for a month so we won't see those guys for these guys for a, a little bit but we'll still have a show so definitely tune in for that uh Foz will be up on youtube.com slash be sure to check that out if you missed the beginning of it uh, as well as the audios will be up tomorrow too uh just be sure to again subscribe to it on itunes and google podcasts and all the other different aggregator apps that you might use for podcasts like stitcher and pocket cast and all that st- good stuff you can find uh, uh the overview there by you can either search for overwatch or uh probably the best thing is to search for overwatch and then find it that's that's generally the best way to help with the uh, seo uh, but that's gonna be it guys for the overview so for huck mitch leslie fish sticks and myself chain man v we'll see you next week later you in competitive oh yeah play competitive guys this week so we can talk that's about it a bunch next week 